This podcast is intended for adult audiences only and contains explicit language in spicy situations. And we do not replace any advice of professionals and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not reflect our own. Welcome to the Pineapple Express podcast. And I'm your host, Kylie, a.k.a. Sexy Swinger Chick. And I'm Brad, a.k.a. Brad the Space Cadet. Journey with us as we navigate in ethical non-monogamy, sex positivity, sex work, and relationship advice as millennial swingers. Explore with us as we share some of our upside-down pineapple ventures with you. All All aboard aboard the the Pineapple Express. Hello, hello. Happy November, my friends. I hope everyone's enjoying their pumpkin spice lattes and getting ready for Thanksgiving. So, and I know some of my friends are getting ready for an amazing bliss cruise, which I'm so jealous that the Swinger Society gets to go on that. But um, if you want to go on that, you can get tickets at swingersociety.net. I'm pretty sure it's still open. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. You'll have to go on the Discord and ask. Uh, But anyhow, what's up, guys? Halloween was great. Brad and I are going to do the weekend before Halloween and Halloween uh, at Club Eros. Tell you all about what's going on in Cleveland. We're super pumped for that. Uh, Some online things that are happening, guys. So I have a webinar. So I'm going to be starting doing free webinars. So in this webinar, it's how to make your swinger profile sparkle. So how can we make your swinger like SDC, SLS, 3Fun, you know, whichever swinger profile you use, how can we make it smart sparkle? How can we get more people to look at your profile and, you know, interact with it? So that's a free webinar. Uh, you can get tickets. I usually post it on my Instagram Guys, I'm really working hard on a link tree and getting like all my links together. But for now, just really just go to my Instagram. Um, It's linked in the show notes. If you don't have Instagram, email me and I can send it to you. Uh, My email is KylieG1991 at gmail.com. Again, KylieG1991 at gmail.com. Which brings me to my how to be a successful uh, single male in the swinger lifestyle. So this is my new, um, I guess, session that I'm going to be, you know, coaching sessions that I'm going to be offering for single males only. Don't worry, couples and single females. I've got stuff coming up for you guys. So I'm currently in school while I'm working on. So I start in the spring, um, but I'm currently, you know, in the works and in the talks with Um, this relationship coaching school uh, through Somatica and um, I'm really excited about it and nervous and all the above but um, it's going to really help me you know become the best relationship coach I can be and start my own practice and I'm really excited but for now um, these classes you know go toward my tuition and um, just really trying to get my business going and I know that I I'm a very good source for, you know, helping these men. Uh, It's going to help everyone thrive in the lifestyle, right? Because if we have great single men coming in who already know what they're getting into and already have, you know, a good foundation, then that's good for everybody. So um, if you want to sign up for those classes, you can do so. Again, my Instagram, you can email me. I'll send you links for that. Um, And yeah, so if you guys are excited for everything I'm doing, or as excited as I am, 
I can't wait. Hopefully by spring of next year, dancing is behind me and I am a full-time relationship coach. So uh, hopefully you guys have a great rest of your Friday because it is Friday that's coming out. And if you're listening to this after Friday, have a great rest of whatever day it is. I love you guys so much. Thank you for all the support. And I hope that you enjoy this amazing podcast with Lauren, Swing Lifestyle Coach. And she's going to talk about how to talk to your partner about getting into the swinger lifestyle. I predict this is going to be a very popular episode. Okay, so you're wondering how to get to a Swinger Society event to party with some of the hottest names in TikTok, OnlyFans, and social media? Well, head on over to theswingersociety.net and create a free profile, purchase exclusive memberships, and also see what other hot couples are going to the events. The Swinger Society is an inclusive event group, and they offer premium lifestyle events that you won't find anywhere else. We have a Discord with over 22,000 members, and we have a Facebook group as well. Head on over to swingersociety.net and join the fastest growing inclusive lifestyle community. I get asked all the time, how do I get into the non-monogamous lifestyle? And I've got the solution for you. It's the three fun app. It's the best dating app for couples and singles looking to explore open relationships. It's totally millennial friendly, aka it's in the 21st century, you guys. This is finally a dating app for us non-monogamous folks who are looking for a unicorn, maybe you're looking for a bull, maybe you're looking for a couple, this is my favorite app and I use it all the time. If you wanna find a link to it, just go to www.sexyswingerchick.net and you'll find my link. Hope to see you guys there. Hey, Upside Down Pineapple people. Join the millions of couples enjoying amazing sex with Promescent. I personally love their variety of products they offer and their aloe-based lube is the only lube I've ever used that doesn't throw off my pH. Brad loves their delay spray, which is clinically proven to help men last longer in bed. Their products have a 60-day money-back guarantee and free shipping on orders in the U.S. over $10. Their shipping is discreet and private, which is perfect for us in the swinger lifestyle. Make sure that you go to www.promescent.com backslash Kylie for all your discreet sexual health needs. My link is in the show notes. Promescent helps you live your best upside down pineapple life. Most people have unprotected oral sex, right? Be honest. Now think about your last STD test. Did your doctor tickle your throat with something that looked like a giant Q-tip? Probably not. Yet that's the only way to check for oral gonorrhea or chlamydia, which are often asymptomatic. You need a better doctor. You need shamelesscare.com. Use coupon code CHIC, that's C-H-I-C, at checkout. Most people have unprotected oral sex, right? Be honest. Now think about your last STD test. Did your doctor tickle your throat with something that looked like a giant Q-tip? Probably not. Yet that's the only way to check for oral gonorrhea or chlamydia, which are often asymptomatic. You need a better doctor. You need shamelesscare.com. Use coupon code CHIC, that's C-H-I-C, at checkout. Oh, you guys, guess who I have back today? I have Lauren, the Swinging Lifestyle Coach. And she is back today to talk about not necessarily my favorite topic, but it's the most requested topic because 
Um, and I was just telling Lauren, I get probably about a hundred um, direct messages a day on social media asking this specific question. And the question is, how do I talk to my partner about joining the swinger lifestyle? And, you know, it's definitely, I understand that question because a lot of people are confused on how to have that conversation. So I wanted to get Lauren here to help you guys out and give you some insight on how to talk to your partner. So hello, Lauren. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just going to take it for like slowly, right? Like just, just like the swinger lifestyle should be right. So we're going to take it back to like, even before you bring it up to your partner, what should your thought process be? And what I mean by that is what should that conversation that you have with yourself look like? Yes. Why am I doing this? What's my motives? Like, what do you, what do you say to all that? Okay. So the first thing I actually want to talk about, if you're open to this before we jump into that exactly is saying that no matter how much planning and intention goes into this conversation, you may not know, like just be prepared for anything. (laughs) And I'm saying that also because, um, even the best intentions, we don't always do it right, right? Like it's, we don't even, it doesn't come out of our mouths is the way that we plan. So I'm curious, and I'm sure you've um, shared this with your listeners many times before and how and your first conversation went and who brought it up. But can you remind me just a real quick? So I, Brad knew, and my partner Brad, if you guys don't know, my partner Brad knew that I was bisexual and knew that I was interested in having threesomes. We had previously had threesomes in the past, but he had come home one night from work and said, hey, my friend told me about these swinger clubs downtown. How do you feel about going? And I completely told him no. I was like, there is absolutely no way that we're going to a swinger club. That's weird. Like, I, that's not me. Like we just do threesomes and we just do like single women. Like we're not couple swapping. And he was like, no, no, I get that. But from what my friend told me, there's like single women that go who are bisexual. And we've just been having so much trouble online trying to find people. So what do you think? And I was like, we're not doing it. And then it took me however long, I think it was like six months to a year to, really try to figure it out. Okay. Um, And I would call that the planting the seed. I think there's always a seed that gets planted somewhere for someone that gets people down this path. I'm going to share mine really quickly just because, um, so my husband out of the blue one night was like, I just feel like there's something more. And I was really a deer in headlights. Like what, does that mean? And he was like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not even sure what it means. I just feel like there is something else. And so I immediately went into, I'm not enough. I was like, do you, do you want a girlfriend? Are are we getting a divorce? Like, I thought we were happy. Like I really went there. And this is not a common reaction, by the way. So everyone, you know, be prepared for that. And when in hindsight, I think it was a very brave moment for him to 
not have the answers, but just bring it up as a conversation. And that's actually going to be a little bit of a theme for me and our and our talk today and how you kind of want to approach this. Yeah. And looking back, I feel like for, for my partner bringing it up, it was very brave of him, especially like not knowing how I was going to respond. But I do feel like he at least had somewhat of an insight on how that response was going to be, knowing that like, I am adventurous in the bedroom and that I am, you know, um, open-minded is a big thing that I am. So he knew those things. So he knew that I wasn't like going to throw him out of the house and, you know, straight up, like we're breaking up, we're done. You know, like he knew that I, the worst thing that can happen is that I would say, no, that's not going to happen for us. Right. And that will be something that we'll talk about in the like first conversation part. But now to jump into where you were going, um, the first step about this, and I'm going to call this the exploration and probably in a lot of the DMs that you get people write in and say, how do I convince my partner to um, consider this or try this? And I just want to change that language immediately into this is an exploration because as much as you, the person who's thinking about this first thinks that this is something they want to do, let me say you don't even know what you're asking for, most likely. I'm going to approach this conversation as if these are two people that have never experienced lifestyle before. Sometimes there's a couple where obviously someone has some experience from their past. I think that conversation goes very differently. And I would assume and hope that their current partner knows about that past. And that's a whole different approach, right? So I'm going to talk about if you nor your partner have not had this experience. And so um, this this is an exploration for you. I'm going to say you, the person who's wanting to bring it up. This is an exploration for you. You're not convincing your partner of anything because you also don't know what you're asking. (laughs) Absolutely. 100%. And I always say that. I always say it's a communication that you both, it's an open communication that you have because the problem with the word convince is it feels a little bit manipulative and and I almost and I Sorry. know that they don't mean it like this and I and I totally get that but it almost feels like they want me to give them these magic words this magic language of like this is what you say for her to say yes you know without even really having any idea what they're asking for mm-hmm. um and what they want and educated they they have no education other than a cute sexy video that they saw on you know someone's instagram or tiktok you know so i think it's really important too to really educate yourself on what you want as well I agree. So this is the first step, which is the personal reflection part that we talked about. So I think there's two things to ask yourself. One is the what and the why. And why am I looking to add this to my relationship? And I want to keep using that uh, language. And um, because it's something to add. And that's the first kind of yes, no place in the in the diagram that we're going to be at. And I think the question that you have to get and here's 
here's the first step in all of this that you're going to carry this through is getting honest with yourself. The hardest part. <laughs> and why do you want to explore this? Do you want to explore this just because it's sexy and you want more sex or very <clears throat> or more variety in sex? That is fine if that is your reason, but just get clear. Is it that you heard about the clubs and the social scene and that's what you're very attracted to? Is it the threesomes and, you know, what is it and the why? And Are you bisexual? I think is one of the, the bigger yes. things. Are you looking to explore with the same sex? Um, and that's, I think, more so for women than men. I don't want to say that one with 100% certainty, but I think for me personally, a big draw to joining the lifestyle was exploring uh, options with the same sex. And I think that that's a big one to think about as well. And that includes men as well. Absolutely. And so like you were mentioning, starting to do the research to really be able to answer this question for yourself. I'm going to say yes. And there's a caution here. So if you do so much research that you have a plan, you know exactly what you want to do, you have now expectations, and you take all of that to your partner, they're going to be, it's like, it's no longer an exploration that you're doing together for them. You are now presenting them with a case, right? And right. that's a very different approach. And so, yes, do your own research, figure out your whys and your whats and what are some of the options. But I'm going to call this the research light phase in the sense that, um, you know, like I just said, you don't want to put too much into it at this yeah. very beginning stage. Well, and you don't the want other to overwhelm them. Right. Correct. Correct. Like, I feel like they're already going to be a little bit overwhelmed to begin with. And then like we have this and I think this is like the type A personality, kind of like me, people who just like do the over planning. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, maybe keep that stuff in your head, but just be cautious about exactly how much you're bringing to your partner. Right. Well, and also I'm going to keep that word exploration. This is an exploration for you, for your partner and for your relationship. So in this first phase of, re of, of research, this is your exploration. But again, I just caution people in getting really tied to an outcome from this research because you still have the exploration within your relationship to move forward with. The other thing that I want to do in this phase is I would like people to imagine any of the scenarios that they come up with that they are imagining for themselves. I want them to imagine their partner in that situation. And because the only reason I say that is like you were saying, you see some sexy videos and you get some fantasies going on in your head and like, this sounds awesome. And just for a moment, reflect on how you would feel about your partner wanting to do those things, asking you to do those things. Because I think in this first initial phase, you can get a little caught up in the um, the fun and fantasy for yourself and not really thinking through how you would think about it in the other direction, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And to add to that, when, when I talk to people about the lifestyle, like people who are, you know, like these are people who have no idea what swinging even really means, right? 
And when I talk to them about it, and a lot, a lot of times it's men because of my job, they'll say to me, that sounds so awesome. I would love to do that. But I would never let somebody, you know, have sex with my wife in front of me. I don't know if I could handle that. Or vice versa, when I talk to women about it, same thing. Oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. I would love to explore like that, but I feel like I'm too jealous to, you know, remove myself and allow somebody to have sex with my husband. So, you know, I think what you're saying is like so pertinent. Like we, as much as we want to have fun ourselves, we also have to remember that it's a two-way street and we have to also allow our partners and allow, I guess, is kind of a not so good word, but we have to be ready to both explore together, I guess would be the right language, whatever that means for your, you as a couple. Right. And allow is, I mean, I know where you're going with that word because I think what is experienced or imagined to be experienced is a different level of freedom within the relationship that has been experienced in the past. So there is a little bit of an allowing there. I, I actually think that's a fair word. Um, okay, so then I'm going to bring in our little acronym that I said I created, because here, these are the four things that I would love to see brought through the entire process. And there's more process that we're going to talk about. But this is CASA, is our little acronym. And uh, I don't know if CASA is house or home, but either way, it's like, the safe place, right? And that's what we want to keep taking throughout this whole conversation is a, a sense of safety and security. And that's actually the S. But starting with the C, um, that is curiosity. Curiosity is going to be your best friend throughout this process. Curiosity towards yourself and curiosity towards your partner. And no matter what reaction comes up from either one of you, the next question that can always be helpful instead of reacting to the question with feeling or anger can always be, why am I feeling that way? Or that is interesting that I'm feeling that way. Or this is so um, interesting what's coming up for me. And so if you can take that one little moment of curiosity throughout this process, I'm just going to say it again. It's your best friend. Curiosity is your best friend. Um, the A in this is authenticity. So the other thing that, like we talked about in the first stage of personal reflection, if you think that you are truly a polyamorous person, this is something that really resonates with you. It feels like this is almost something that you have to do or explore. Don't go to your partner with some other <laughs> some other reason that you're wanting to get into this. I guess that is the main thing about authenticity. Whatever personal reflection you come to, take that actual reflection to your partner. Don't make it about something else that you think they want to hear because as you go down this road of exploration, that's going to surface anyway. Authenticity always, the truth always comes out, right? right. And, <laughs> and so that rings true for like with me and Brad, when he came to me about starting in the lifestyle and we did end up obviously getting into the lifestyle, 
he knew it was because I wanted to explore with women. So he let me explore with women before anything else until I was comfortable and he did it at my pace. So that's how I knew that it wasn't a manipulation or a tactic for Brad to get me into the lifestyle. So then Brad could go and do his thing and be with other women. It was very authentic for him to really want me to explore, which kudos to Brad. That was amazing. So I just wanted to kind of add that for people who, you know, so that they can see when your partner is being authentic with you about it, you'll you'll know the truth. Once you get step into that club and you're in your first swinging situation, you'll know exactly. Uh, you'll know the truth, just like Lauren is saying. You you'll know the truth. The truth always comes to light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the more authentic we can be from the beginning, that's going to create the S, which is the safety and the security in this conversation. Every human wants to feel safe and secure in particular in our relationships. This is why we are in relationships is because we love the safety and the security. Even the mention of the word non-monogamy can make people feel insecure and unsafe. So this is just the S that you wanna keep coming back to in the conversation to remember that this is actually something you both need, whether you're talking about interest, whether you're talking about the first step, whether you're talking about your the reflection on the first step, safety and security is going to be the name of the game. And then the A, the fourth one, the A, the last A is acceptance. So Again, in an exploration, there are no definitives and you haven't gotten attached in an ideal world to one particular idea. And so no matter what your partner's reaction is, it's an acceptance of where they're at. Like you said, you you were like a hell no. (laughs) Yeah. And like, look at me, Mrs. Like I love swinging, right? Like I literally am like sexy swinger chick. And I just like, I love it's becoming my job. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yes. been such a passion for me I and what you mean. <laughs> to go back to that moment. And I always kind of bring this up with people, you know, just because it's a, a no and Brad accepted it with, he was like, all right, babe, whatever you want to do. And again, that goes back to knowing that this was the right step for our relationship because he wasn't trying to manipulate or coerce me. Like he truly was wanting me to explore my sexuality because he knew that that was something that I wanted. So I think, I think that's something that we have to remember is like, we have to accept that. And it just because someone says no, it doesn't mean it's a no forever. And, and just like, I think Lauren had said it earlier, planting a seed. And that's what Brad did. He planted that seed. And then I was like, Hmm, swinging. And then I, I was looking more into polyamory but that kind of planted the non-monogamy seed for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I was able to do my own research and I, because I knew what it was. And when I had told him, I said, swinging, in my opinion, is all old people putting their keys in a bowl. Like, <laughs> and that's because of what media has shown yeah. us about swinging. We had no, I had no anything know to know what swinging was and then he was like no I don't think that's what it is but I mean I encourage you to do your own research he said so I loved that 
Yes. Okay. I love that too. All right. So after the personal reflection stage, and here's the honest question for yourself, am I trying to fix something in my relationship? There's a yes, no right there. If you are trying to fix something, I'm not happy with my sex life. I'm not happy with our emotional connection. I'm not happy with something over there. Then you're going to deviate from this entire process. And you're going to go talk to your partner about that. We're not you know, this is not the time to explore non-monogamy if you're feeling like there's something missing in your relationship. Missing, like we want some spice. So that's adding. That's a different conversation than I'm not getting something from my partner and I want to go outside and look for it. So then deviate, take that com- that conversation, again, that very authentic conversation to your partner. And I would love to have more emotional connection with you or whatever. That's just a completely different process. Then later when you're feeling more solid in your relationship, come back to this conversation. And that's where relationship coaches can help. You know, if you are interested in non-monogamy, but you're not quite there yet in your relationship, first of all, that's okay. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong, but that's where a relationship coach or somebody you know, especially if they're well-versed in non-monogamy, someone like Lauren can really help you get to a place where you'll, you'll be able to explore non-monogamy. Um, and, and if you're looking to build better intimacy, if you're looking to build a better sex life, because if your wife is not have, or husband is not having sex with you right now, what makes you think that they're going to want to join the lifestyle and have sex with other people? Like, there's probably some kind of a barrier there. And that's something that a relationship coach is well-versed in to help you with. Right. And you may even find if once you have that emotional intimacy or that amazing sex life that you are looking for, maybe non-monogamy is not that attractive to you anymore. That's when, that's when you go back to the personal reflection. Is this something I'm still interested in doing and why? Okay, so now you're not trying to fix anything. Now we're going into the introduction um, phase of this. So I think, and this is, you know, I said the word brave about my husband bringing this up. You reiterated the word brave about your, your partner bringing this up. It is a scary moment. Because we don't know how they're going to react for sure. We probably have an idea, but we don't know for sure. And so there's two things in here that I would say. One, is there a connector in your current relationship? The connector for you was your bisexuality and that um, activity that was already happening. I think connectors can be... um, sex. A lot of couples have very active fantasy talk in the bedroom. And so that might your that might be your connector. You know how we talk about those fantasies when we're having sex all the time? Like what if we made them come true? Yeah. And one of the connectors <laughs> for me, oddly enough, was like we would be having sex and Brad would like tell me about things that his exes would do mm. into an, I don't want to say normal person, but like to, to anyone else, I, I felt like when I would ask him, can you please tell me more? Yeah. And when I would get turned on by that, I felt like there was something kind of odd going on in my head. I'm like, why is this turning me on? And then I realized 
that that was one of my kinks was like watching him and ex him exploring with other people. Um, so I think that was kind of something that connected it to me where I've, I had a feeling I was like, mm, something's not, I mean, normal here. Like, how can I explore this? <laughs> or what you thought was normal from your normativity. Okay. So then there are other connectors there might, so porn can be a connector. A lot of couples watch porn together, or if they don't, it can be something that can become a connector. Maybe they, you know, I wasn't very interested in porn. Honestly, that wasn't really a great connector for me, but also there are lots of different types of porn, right? So that might be a fun exploration to start the conversation too. Like let's explore porn and see what we both like together. Um, clubs and social scenes can be a connector, kind of like he was saying. I heard a lot about this club downtown and, you know, if this is something that you already do together and you like going out and dancing and clubbing. This might be the connector. Like, what do you think about a sex club? Like instead of a regular nightclub or even just adventure. Like I would love to learn something new with you. You know, if that's something that you guys do together. And like, again, I want to go back to the authenticity piece. You're not creating a weird connector to get them into a non-monogamy conversation. It's just, is there a conversation that already exists within your relationship in which non-monogamy might be kind of a, a more natural lead on? And that answer for you might be, I, I can't figure out that connector and you're just going to jump into the conversation and that's fine too. But some of these other things can be little connectors. And I think it, they can be helpful. And then again, that goes back to like the self-reflection piece of it all is like, you know, what, what is it about me that maybe makes me, me different? And maybe you can think about your partner as well. And that can help build intimacy with your partner. Like, well, what makes my partner special? You know, for Brad, it was, well, she's bisexual and adventurous. Um, and I think again, like those are all very, very important parts of all of this is self-reflection and reflection with your partner as well. And they can be fun and intimacy building, even if you don't become swingers. Never go. I know just <laughs> these conversations alone could build yes. so much. It's so true. Okay. And so then there is some moment, right? Where you're like, have you ever thought about exploring non-monogamy? Have you ever thought about non-monogamy? Also insert your own word. Like non-monogamy is such a general term and hopefully, and this is another personal reflection phase, if you did a little bit of research, maybe, you know, kind of do some research around the terms and just know that whatever term you use, your partner might have a very different definition of that in their head. So you might say non-monogamy and mean swinging. You might say swinging and mean polyamory. You might, you know, so get a little bit clear for yourself what you're bringing up and make sure you and your partner are talking about the same thing. And that goes back to like our story with me and Brad is we thought that we were going to be exploring polyamory. We thought we were going to go to these sex clubs and we were going to get introduced to the polyamorous community. And we were going to find um, a unicorn to be a part of our, our throuple dream that we had wanted. Mm -hmm. Right. So we wanted, this is what we had talked about exploring before we even got into swinging was like finding a woman, you know, her coming in and joining our relationship mm -hmm. as, you know, a, a an ethical throuple, you know, where it was like 
all of us had a loving romantic relationship because Mm -hmm. we did not know that swinging was an option. We only thought that polyamory as a form of of non-monogamy was the only option for us. Um, So it was when he brought this to me, that's why I was a little bit like taken aback because I didn't realize that swinging was an option until he, he actually brought it to me. So that's also something to consider is like, maybe your partner is thinking about something like this and you might not know because they don't know it's an option until you educate them on it. Yeah. So a lot of this exploration is definitely falls into that category of you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Right. So that's why I want to keep calling this even for yourself an exploration because you don't know either. And so I love that story because you had a very different vision of what you were looking for. And that is totally fine because that is what got you moving in a forward direction. Then you noticed all these other paths that were available to you and decided as a couple to go different on different paths. So I think that can stop people as they get really worried about what if we're not what if that's not really what we want? Or I don't, you know, I don't know Like that can be scary because they're not, because it's so much in this category of we don't know what we don't know. You know, it's hard to plant that flag of like what we really want. But that's why these conversations can be so intimacy building because neither one of you know. And, or if one of you have an idea, then, you know, it is, um, it's still an exploration together of like, how do we do that? In, in the best way for our relationship. That's the question you want to keep asking for yourselves. Because right. there's my wants and needs and your wants and needs. And then where is that overlap for what's going to be best for the relationship? And I have a little <laughs> caution here. So when you do any research on non-monogamy, you can see a lot of this is a, a actual research and or um little tidbits about how, and we've already talked about it, how much closer swinging or non-monogamy can actually bring you as primary partners. Um, I caution this to be the reason you're doing it. And the reason this is a caution is because it rings a little bit to the, are we trying to fix something? Becoming closer through this process is kind of a byproduct of the process. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And if you're actually doing it just to be closer, there are a million other things you could do just to be closer. So bringing that up as a reason to do it is a little weird. Like you could go learn rock climbing together or learn sailing together or something else that you neither one of you know anything about. And that would have a lot of the same features to it that would actually bring you closer together. So again, that authenticity of what is it about non-monogamy that is so attractive to me and having those conversations and the byproduct will be more intimacy and closeness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, and that's actually a really, really good point. Cause I feel like a lot of times, even when I talk about non-monogamy, but you're right, it's just a byproduct. When we got into it, it was first sexual exploration and at its, at its core, that's what it was. It, it had nothing to do with, oh, cause we didn't know that like it was going to bring us closer. We didn't know 
how we Same. were going to react because you you also have to remember this was pre I I wouldn't say pre like social media craze of swingy well yeah pre social media craze there wasn't a lot of like podcasts there wasn't a lot of education out there that was accessible for me and Brad who were 28 year old millennials at the time mm -hmm. all of the information was on like SLS and stuff and we these were things like again what you don't know does you don't know so like we had no idea that that was going to be a byproduct or that was going to be something we just knew that we wanted to explore um, together. Yeah, exactly. The exploration. Okay. And so within this uh, conversation of the introduction, the main thing I want to say to the partner who is bringing it up is be prepared for anything. And when I say prepared, this is what I mean. You're not going to react. <laughs> to whatever happens. So in the spectrum of, have you ever thought about non-monogamy or exploring non-monogamy? On one end, your partner is like, yes, I have thought about that. I can't believe you're bringing that up to me. Yeah, that's super exciting to me. Okay, that's one end of the spectrum, right? <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because that was not even my response and and I love that response I think that's great but I don't really if I'm honest I don't really think that that's like the norm response it's not it is not I'm just saying on the spectrum that would be one <laughs> end of it and the total other end I'm calling it complete panic and alarm and what that might look like is oh my god I can't even believe you're saying that like what are you Kind of like my reaction. Are we talking about a divorce? Do you want a girlfriend? Do you, is this ending things? Like I thought we were happy, like complete panic and alarm. And what panic and alarm can show up for people because of what we talked about earlier. If their safety and security is immediately in jeopardy about that, what they might come back to you with also is anger. Yeah. Because anger is a very natural emotional reaction to having anything heavy, um, in danger, what, you know, in jeopardy there. And so when I say don't be prepared to not react, this is what I'm talking about. Like if you have the worst case scenario prepared in your head and you're not going to react, you're just going to listen and the reason I'm going to say you're not going to react is because this kind of shuts down the conversation. If they get angry and scared and then you react with anger, where do you go from there? Right. And then no one's going to ever want to talk about it again. Right. And it's left a bad taste in their mouth and, yeah. in, and also in your mouth. And now, now you're never going to be able to talk about it because I guess that would be a very traumatic conversation. And uh, yes. It could be a very traumatic conversation. Having said that, I give everybody all the grace that sometimes things don't go according to plan and we think we're not going to react. And then we couldn't even imagine how angry they got at us. And then we did react. So there's always a repair option. But in an ideal world, um, one, if it's a very flooded reaction, and by flooded, I mean, they go straight into this panic and alarm, their heart rate is probably up, they're angry then I think that, I don't think, then that is a time to be like, 
wow, okay, this is a really strong reaction. This is just a curiosity for me. I want you to know that this is not something that I know much about myself or have any, <laughs> you know, bring it down, deescalate, bring it down. This is, I'm just bringing it up as the exploration and the curiosity. And then also, quite honestly, let's talk about this again another time. Because now you've left the door open to bring it up another time. And we're going to end this possibly traumatic conversation right now. Then later, when you come back, it's always an eye. I noticed that when we had that conversation, you got very triggered. I would love to know more about that. Yeah. Why was that triggering for you? What do you, what feelings were coming up? Yes. Um, and that is the curiosity piece that you're going to carry through this entire process, which is, uh, I'm curious about that reaction. Let's talk about that. And again, regardless if you get into the swinging lifestyle or not, having this type of conversation is going to build intimacy. And also that's a lot of self-growth as a couple, like mm -hmm. understanding maybe something from your partner's past or, you know, a, a lot of times when people tell me that they don't agree with swinging or that swinging, they know, I know it'll never work for me is because, well, I had a friend of a friend whose grandma's uncle's cousin <laughs> was a swinger and they got a divorce because her husband cheated on her while they were swinging and it just totally ruined their relationship. Not even knowing the background to any of the, anything else other than they started swinging, their relationship's now over. It was definitely the swinging. Had nothing to do with anything else. Like, so that's the thing I would caution on too is like, you know, allow your partner to ex explain those things to you. But like, just remember that just because it happened in the past, maybe even your parents, like I've had people come to me and say like my parents, their relationship ended because they were swingers. And it's like, a lot of times it's not because of the swinging. Like there's probably some exactly. other things, you know? Yes. Yeah. Because we, I think we talked about that in our first podcast together about it. It will highlight a lot of dynamics that you have going on in your relationship. But again, that's not the reason you're getting, that's not the reason you're getting into it. <clears throat> okay. So then the next phase. So the first one we called personal reflection, which might involve some research, then the introduction. Now I call the third phase at the actual research phase because, and you, the introduction might be many conversations, by the way, as I've already pointed out, the first one might go badly. <laughs> so, you know, and then you're going to want to wait some time, or maybe you're scared to bring it up again, or whatever, like, just know that, you know, it's not one conversation is the introduction, the introduction, who knows how many conversations this could take years, be. like, and I even for yeah, me, and Brad, yeah, it took, honestly, yes, it took like, six months to like a year, of us kind of every couple of weeks reopening it and exploring yes. and having more conversations until finally, I guess we were just so darn bored enough because it was during COVID that we just took the jump. So like, that's the thing that I think Lauren's trying to say is like, it's going to take time and every couple, it's going to take a different amount of time. Uh, it might be a week. It might be a year. It might be five years. Like you never know. 
And that is why in the first phase of personal reflection, <clears throat> I caution you in getting tied to any particular outcome. Because if you do have a particular outcome in mind and that feels really important to you and I have to do this thing, that's gonna feel like a really long year. <laughs> Whereas if you are also entering the conversation as a personal exploration, then every one of those conversations is actually interesting to you. And that year is a year of learning and discovery about your partner, about yourself, and that you're enjoying the process, you know, enjoying the journey. I and guess that's we're gonna, gonna go back to that theme. Lifestyle. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to No, that's fine. That's going to really mimic a lifestyle journey as well. And if you can prepare for that in the beginning and not have any expect, just remember that non-monogamy in general, whether it's you're in this beginning phase or if you're 20 years in, we still can't have any expectations. So that's going to get you ready. You know, if you don't have any expectations for your partner, you're not going to have any expectations for other people's partners as well. Or yeah, I. I had that exact thought as I was writing out this um, framework today. I was like, this really encompasses the entire lifestyle journey, but into <laughs> into just the introduction. Okay. And then um, when I say the third phase is research, this is where you're learning together. This can mean like you were talking about and of um, books, articles, uh, watching porn together, uh, it might mean going to a club that's actually taking some action, but that might feel a little researchy too. Like, let's just go and observe and like, see what it's like and not, you know, and then the really important piece of this research phase is scheduled check-ins. So, um, my husband and I did this like once a week, we always have date week the date night anyway. And we read The Ethical Slut together. And so every week we would discuss the next chapter and what was interesting to us and what was not interesting to us. But you could do this in all different ways. You could either each bring a different article, like have each other read each other's articles that you found and then discuss those one week. You can, um, or even, you know, if I, I talked about the porn connection, if that is your connection, maybe and you're starting to explore that way, like, your date night ends with a porn, you know, a porn watching session, which of course leads to something else, but um, get creative. This is your research phase and your relationship. But I do think the scheduled check-ins can be important because just like any sort of project, if you will, especially one that might feel emotionally charged for either one, you might have to put in some structure around when we're going to talk about this again. And maybe you say, we're going to talk about it again in two weeks. And then in two weeks, your other partner is like, you know, I don't really want to talk about this right now. Fine. Let's reschedule for another time. But it releases the burden of bringing it up. Right. Absolutely. And then also there's, we go back to that safety and security thing. Mm -hmm, safety mm -hmm. and security is going to look different for every couple and every person in the couple. Exactly. And we all have a past and we just, I feel like kind of need to give our partners grace, especially when we're dealing with emotional stuff, because I could have had a really bad day at work or I could have gotten in a fight with my sister, you know, or whatever. And I'm already very emotionally charged in a different way. So bringing this to me 
you know, in a time frame where I'm just not comfortable. Like, I'm just not there today. That doesn't right. mean tomorrow I won't be there. But today right. I, I don't have the I always say I don't have the emotional capacity for this. Right. Right. It's <laughs> It's a great line. And also. I think in the personal reflection phase, and you never end the personal reflection phase, all these phases you're going to keep revisiting. But when you go back to that phase, or let's say you have the introduction conversation and your partner is an absolute no, like I'm an absolute no on this. Okay, go back to personal reflection. At some point, you also have to decide like how important this is to you because if you get into a cycle of, no, I don't want to talk about it today. I don't want to talk about it today. I don't want to talk about it today. And they never actually want to talk about it. That's another conversation to have. I notice that you never want to talk about this. If you really have no interest, then let's talk about that. Like, why do you have no interest? And you know, here's what I still think seems interesting about it. Why doesn't that seem interesting to you? So again, you're going to keep revisiting this process over and over again, and you may need to drop it. Your partner may never be interested. Then you know the no expectations thing. <laughs> and and two, I think that something that's really a big piece of this, and I always say this when I have this, when I try to talk to people about having this conversation we also have to remember from a woman's perspective so we're pretending now that who we're talking to is a husband going to a wife women tend to hold a lot of shame surrounding sex and and also you have to look at backgrounds of how people grew up right and they're they're you know were did they grow up in a religious home did they grow up in a in a home where sex they they were shamed for having sexual thoughts or was it a very conservative household um and and having that you know and i i feel like this maybe goes back to like the self-reflection piece um and reflecting on your partner but like if that is something that you're seeing in your partner, like, hmm, every time I bring this up, it kind of feels like they they feel shameful or they bring up this part of it where, well, that's against my religion or that just feels, you know, that's also a conversation to be had. And maybe somewhere like that's a hole that can be fixed. I feel like that's something I, and I especially feel like in women, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And on either side, they have to want to fix it, by the way. That's so, <laughs> yeah. And um, so if, you know, yes, we're outlining this framework. This is, this is going to bring up a lot of complexities. Like we said, this framework is kind of a, a mini journey in itself. Mini only compared to if you decide to go on a longer non-monogamous journey, which by the way, you're already on a journey of your relationship, whether your relationship takes the path of non-monogamy or not. Hopefully these conversations continue your relationship into, you know, what else do we want to add if it's not that? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah. And again, I think you talked about also, I think, the schedule check-ins. And then at some point you might want to make a plan. And I am also an advocate of baby steps. 100%. Yeah. You don't, I mean, and I tell, and I've talked about this in like our first podcast episode. And I, when I talk to new couples, 
uh, especially like in person, uh, I always tell them that they don't have to do it the way that me and Brad did it, which we were full swapping. Mind you, we had all the expectations of going to the club and not full swapping on our first date, but it ended up organically going that way. But like the one thing that people don't realize when it comes to swinging is you don't have to go to a a club or you don't have to go on an app and you don't you don't have to like make it sexual like it can be sexual with your partner if you want it to be but you can also go into there with the mindset of no mindset and we're just gonna go and and see if this is right for us and you can take those baby steps you can go to the club and and watch people or see how they interact or you can just if you want you can sit in the corner and talk with your partner the whole night and just kind of people watch like whatever that that looks like for you that's what uh my husband and I did the first time we went to a sex club I think we had intentions of talking to other people but we were so nervous that we just didn't (laughs) and also um and also it generated this nervous energy and we had sex multiple times in the club just the two of us but um Yeah, we were definitely observers that first night. But And I always caveat sex clubs in this way. Don't go to a sex club once and make a big decision around that because a sex club can have a slow night and it can feel awkward and icky. Um, A a club can have a wild and crazy night and that might be too much too soon. And if it starts to feel that way, just leave and come back another time because they do vary a lot on the certain nights or they might have a certain event going on a certain night and whatever. And so um, that's my only caveat to sex clubs being your first experience or or swinger clubs, even if they're sex clubs, Um, just because I would go like two or three times to really, before you decide that it's really not for you. Now, what would you say about if somebody wanted to go to a very large swinger cruise or swinger mm-hmm. event like Hedo or uh, mm-hmm. like a secrets or a naughty in new Orleans, like would that be something to start exploring if that, or would you recommend maybe starting off a little bit slower? So I think those things can be a baby step in as long as you do it in a way that feels like a baby step to you. Um, So what that could look like is a swinger uh, resort for a very short period of time, kind of like the sex club experience. We're going to just mostly observe. We'll just talk to people. We have no intention of playing, you know, all these different things, your um, agreements that you make around these things are going to define what baby steps look like for you. And, and so like Naughty in New Orleans, I think is an excellent first step because there's so much education happening at that event as well. So there are little, you know, workshops and classes during the day where you can learn about swinging and, um, have, you know, learn about the conversations to be having. I, that's one of the ones that I presented last time at Naughty. And so, you know, you don't even have to go to the parties if that feels like too much to you. So just researching the different resorts and events, because they all can have a different flavor. And I think the great thing about a resort is you always have your own room to retreat to. 
And if you're at all attracted to this lifestyle, being around this crowd is probably going to at least turn you on and you're going to go back to your room and have sex many times a day. (laughs) For us personally, that actually going to an event, resort, hotel takeover, or even a club feels a little bit safer than going like going on On a date on a date or going on an app or going on like and in doing like a a a a real date like that feels first of all more intimate second of all I don't have an escape plan and at least at an event yes you can you You can just blend into the crowd totally I agree with that and also I mean dates yeah, dates can feel tricky. But the one thing you've you've brought up apps a couple of times. Um, I will I kind of want to distinguish an app from a dating site because if swinging is the model that looks interesting to you, I think the websites or they all have their apps apps also. That's why I'm kind of distinguishing a dating app from swinger dating apps sites, is that there is a plethora of information on these sites. Going back to that, we don't know what we don't know, you're going to learn a lot. on So SDC, for example, so much written content on there. Like you want to talk about uh, a place to find articles that you can talk about on your on your date night. You know, so much there they have. And um, just that. And that's also where you will find and all that applies to all the sites, by the way. I mean, Swinger Society or, you know, any of them. And that's also where you're going to see events and things advertised because otherwise you may not even know that they're happening. Absolutely. And then you won't know what's in your area. Exactly. And there's different types of events. You know, we had to learn this through the club and through like socialization with other people. That's how we learned about other events. We didn't, we were kind of like, afraid of the apps in a sense because of like there is in a good amount of like single people on those apps single men for instance and that can be a little bit of a turnoff so that's how we got there was like just asking around our community and then also there's a lot of like Facebook groups yes um you know and and that and especially regionally you know you want to find places in your area as well uh but Facebook has been for a lot of people, a really good resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that is tying into the word that we're going to use about this whole process, which is the exploration. One site may lead you down to like several other paths of either events or, and I actually, I think one of the things that can be helpful on the apps, even if you just create a basic profile for yourself that like, you know, is not your final. It's a lot of learning just to start looking at other people's profiles. Like, what do they mean MFM? Or, you know, they're they're looking for MFM or they're looking for a unicorn. Some people don't even know what any of these terms mean. And so it can start to just open up like what you, you can start to know what you don't know. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I'm a big advocate of using those sites as kind of a research base too. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, I just have one question before we wrap up. Yes. My question, and I get this question a lot. 
people will say to me that they have that conversation, this specific conversation with their partner after their partner has been drinking and their partner seems open while they're, they've had a couple of drinks while they're buzzed. And then when they bring it up, when they're sober, their partner wants nothing to do with this conversation. What is your advice to that? Curiosity is your best friend. (laughs) I noticed that when we talk about this after you've had some drinks, it seems interesting to you. And when we talk about this without drinks, it doesn't seem interesting to you. I would never ask you to participate in anything after you've been drinking, but I would love to talk about this when you haven't been drinking. Um, So again, it's just asking the questions and continuing the conversation. And I would like to know how you would answer that because you've now as a sober swinger, um, what would you, what would you, what do you tell people about when they ask you that? So I think that this piece kind of goes into the consent piece of all of this, right? Because if we're consenting to something while we're drinking and that's goes as far as like even this exploration phase, if we're consenting to that while we're drinking, but we're not consenting to it while we're sober, are we really consenting to it? Yeah. You know, even the having the conversation. So like, that would be something that I would bring up to your partner is like you said, I noticed that while you're drinking, you're okay with us having these conversations. But when you're sober, you don't want to have these conversations or you reject this. So is this something that you're really not interested in or are you interested or, or are you only interested once you've had something to drink? And if that's the case, then this is probably something that we don't want to explore together because that's. Or ask, yeah. Or asking that question, if there's any awareness around what is that barrier Mm -hmm. that goes down when you've been drinking? Yeah. Yeah, because like that's the the big thing about the lifestyle is we want to make sure that we consent to everything. And this conversation is part of the consent piece. And this is why also a big reason why I wanted to have you on is like um, everything that we've talked about today is not coercing someone. And that goes back to the how do I um, get my wife to say yes to this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how do I get mm-hmm. my partner to say yes to this? Um, none of the, this conversation that Lauren and I have had today is coercion. It's been a conversation that two people have together and communicate and explore Mm -hmm. our favorite word, Mm -hmm. explore together. And I, and I think that that's the, the most important part of all of this is that, um, everybody in the conversation should be able to explore their fantasies and talk about their fantasies open and that goes for both partners um so I think that that's a big part of all of this is like is my partner 100% consenting to this or are they consenting Mm -hmm. to this because they want to do something that something that makes me happy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's Okay, we can do a whole another podcast on right. just that. Exactly. <laughs> the people-pleasing yes. aspect of yes. swinging. Yes. Okay, yes. And um, if I can plug a little bit, I um, so I do couples coaching for people in all stages, including like when they're having this exploration phase and people like to have a third party. 
Um, I also just launched a work, uh, like a, it's more than a workshop, a class series called how to start swinging. So, I mean, I, that's just such like a big jumping point for people. They're like, okay, we're both really interested now. Okay. Okay. How, like, how do we do that? <laughs> so I just created that, um, that works. It's a, a series of workshops for people. If that's something, if that's the stage that they're at. And also, um, again, I just want to say as part of this exploration piece, your partner may never want to do it. And I just always want to kind of leave people with that idea that um, there is no way to get someone interested in something that they are not interested in, period. So by, and this is my last question to that too. Let's say that, that, it, that is something that, and you feel that you really identify because I, I feel like I really identify as a, a non-monogamous person. It, it mm -hmm. goes as far as like my bisexuality or me being queer, like it's part mm -hmm. of my identity yeah. is being non-monogamous. Yeah. If that is the case, what advice would you give to, if there's one person in the relationship who feels like they identify as non-monogamous and their partner is not accepting mm -hmm. of this lifestyle because they're they're truly monogamous. Yeah, they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, then you get into we want different things. Mm -hmm. And then I would actually recommend. I mean, coaching or therapy both can be productive here, but I think that is where um, outside help would definitely in the same way that if you're relationship was in some sort of um, crisis, you would reach out for help. I think concluding that you're wired in different ways <laughs> might also require some outside help around that. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm just going to go behind my partner's back, <laughs> you know, and I get that a lot. Like, people will message. I, I know I get all the DMS, right. People will message me and say, well, I'm just going to do this. My, my wife doesn't want to do this. She won't accept this part of me. So, um, I'm just going to go and explore myself and, you know, and we've even met couples who, you know, they, they basically have the don't ask, don't tell policy. Like they just don't tell their partner what, they're planning to do or who they're talking to online mm -hmm. or what kind of conversations those are, or if mm -hmm. they're going to the sex club, but they're telling their partner they're out with the girls or the guys, you know? So like those are that, that's actually like goes blurs lines and that's where it starts to become like cheating, you know, like non-monogamy and cheating are two different things. So I just yeah. want to reiterate that to people who are listening. Like mm -hmm. if you're doing anything that, you know, going and educating yourself about it is, is not doing anything distrustful, but like once you move past that and you start having conversations with couples and you start, um, exploring without your partner's knowledge or consent, then that's where the lines get blurred and that's where it becomes not ethical. Correct. Then it's not non-monogamy, non as you said, then it's just cheating. Absolutely. Yeah. So Thank you so much for coming on. I think that this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people who are in the beginning processes of exploring non-monogamy with their partner. Um, so where can people find you and if they need to get a hold of you and if they want to join your class? Yeah, so probably the easiest place is just on my website at 
I don't know if you can edit my dog barking. So swinginglifestylecoach.com. Um, everything is there. You can sign up for a free 20 to 30 minute consult. If you're not sure, you know, doing something personal, uh, personalized is what, where you want to go, or if that would help you. That's also where you can sign up for workshops and also just a lot of information. I have a blog on there and I also have links to all the um, dating websites like we talked about. So that's a great place just to start the exploration. Absolutely. I love that. So thank you so much for coming on and yeah, we hope to hear from you soon. Yeah.